Okay, well, we're going to continue in our devoted series. Um, if you've not heard any of the devoted series, you've missed out. We've had so much fun, and it's all on the website if you want to catch up. I'd encourage you to do that. But we've just got to the section now where we're talking about prayer. So we're talking today about devoted to prayer. Um, and I don't want you to think of prayer as a, se- a separate subject from all that we've looked at before. But actually, I want you to think about prayer as an expression or even an outcome of what it means to be devoted to God. Because I don't think you can separate pe- prayer from devotion to God. Because if you're devoted to God, then you're going to talk to him. You're going to pray. you You're going to want to be with him. You're going to want to connect deeply with him. You want to join your heart with him and pray. And so prayer, I see it very much as an outcome of our devotion, not a separate thing. So do you pray? Actually, everybody prays, you know. People pray for all kinds of reasons, for all kinds of things at all kinds of times. You don't even have to be a Christian to pray. Um, People from every religion pray. Sometimes even atheists pray. As Richard, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Dawkins found a few years ago live on BBC Radio 4. He inadvertently prayed. He was on the show to accuse Christians of being ignorant of the Bible But he didn't do so well when the tables were turned on him and he was asked to name the full title of Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of Species, whereupon the Darwinian expert's mind went completely blank and inadvertently invoked the Almighty's help with an urgent, oh God, presumably hoping for the restoration of his memory and he's not really lived it down since. But you see, people everywhere pray inadvertently perhaps but it's hardwired into us to pray especially in times of crisis people pray they cry out to God they're about to have an accident and what comes out from the deep part of them the cry of their heart is oh God save me it comes out from that deep place we are hardwired to it we all pray I was really surprised my first ever Law Society dinner, that they started with prayer. They still do this. In, in Parliament, they start the day with prayer. I think that's amazing. And some have the ritual of saying prayer before bed, and they, they never pray at any other time, but they have this sense of the need for protection as they sleep. And others, of course, pray because they need a parking space at Solihull Retail Park on a Saturday afternoon when they're out shopping. I know I'm not knocking any of these things. They're all legitimate forms of prayer. But these occasional or situational prayers could hardly be called devoted. And the fact is, is that many people pray, but few are devoted to prayer. And I want us to be... Devoted. I want us to be a church that is devoted to prayer, not just a church, with a prayer room and prayer meetings. Devoted to prayer. Is that what you want? I mean, are you frustrated today about your inability to pray? (laughs) Is this a breakthrough that you want for your life? Because that's what I'm believing for today as I speak to you about being devoted to prayer. So I'm going to just ask the Holy Spirit to help me. 
to help us to hear this message. So Holy Spirit, we, we want to start talking about prayer with prayer. And we want to ask for your help. Will you send the Holy Spirit, Father? Would you give us revelation today? I pray for an ease when it comes to this whole subject of prayer, Lord. Would you lead us into a new place of confidence as we pray for your glory and because we want to see your kingdom come on earth in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start talking about devotion to prayer with just highlighting something about this word devoted because actually there's a very special this is a very special word that's used in the Greek every time it comes to prayer and and it's quite a helpful picture too that I, I want to point out to you because this word devoted of course is in Greek I don't know Greek but I've got lots of great books that tell me about it and and it goes back to this time you remember when Jesus was speaking to the people on the beach one day it says that the crowds were so great that Jesus told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him that's in Mark 3:9 or as the King James version puts it a small ship to wait on him because of the multitudes uh, this boat was ready for him. In other words, it was devoted to him so that he wouldn't be crushed by the crowd. And as we see from the very next chapter, Jesus was wise to set that boat aside because he needed it. He needed to get into the boat, so he gets in and he uses it to teach the crowds who stood at the lakeside. That's in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. I mean, can you picture it? This small boat bobbing around on the water's edge, ready for his sole purpose and use. Well, that's a picture of what it looks like to be devoted to prayer, to be ready, to be available to him for the master's use. And this is, uh, this is how this word is used throughout the five of ten uses in the New Testament. It's connected to prayer. So that word devoted, think about the the boat bobbing along, it's prepared, it's ready, and that's the connection that there is to prayer. So in Acts 1.14 it says, they all join together constantly in prayer. That's available, open, devoted, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 2.42, verse we've been looking at over several weeks now, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Again, it's the same picture, made ready, made available, waiting on Jesus for prayer. Acts 6, 4, we will give our attention to prayer, devotion to prayer, and the ministry of the word. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, be devoted or faithful in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. In other words, be set aside for it. Make yourself available for it. Give it your attention. Be constant in it. Be faithful in it. All these words and concepts that the translators use. But all along is this picture of the little boat set aside and ready for his use. That's what it means to be devoted to prayer. So does that describe your attitude to prayer? Your experience of prayer to be this vessel positioned for his use? Is there a time in your day that's put aside just for this? Or a time where you just wait on him? I love that phrase the King James Version used, waiting on him. Just to wait on him. 
So my question today is really, how do we build that boat? How do we make ourselves available? How do we present ourselves as available for the master's use in that way? How do we do that? How do we devote ourselves to prayer? So rather than giving you a whole lot of practical teaching on prayer, which was my great idea, I've got all these great ideas to share with you. I just felt like the Holy Spirit's led me to give you three principles of prayer, three principles that lead us towards devotion and prayer. And the first one is simply that we need to used to think that prayer, well, in order to have a good prayer life, I needed to have lots of words spilling out in an impressive flow. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that prayer isn't so much about words. Actually, it begins with an attitude of heart. It begins with a place we position ourselves in. It begins with a place where we simply learn to wait on him, just like that little boat bobbing on the water. We need to learn how to be waiters in the courts of the king. And I got this picture one day from reading Psalm 123. And in this psalm, the psalmist describes how he positions himself for prayer. Think about this. Just hear this psalm for a moment. He says this. He says, I lift up my eyes to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he shows us his mercy. I love this picture. I love this picture of slaves and servants standing around the courts of the king. That's the picture of prayer. There they are standing at the edges. You've seen it on TV and in programs, haven't you? Or in grand houses, the servants stand there just waiting. They're waiting to be called into action. Or they're like waiters if you don't. If you don't go into these kind of places, you know, like waiters in a restaurant, you know, they're, they're watching. They're, they're watching for the hand signals, you know, the universal bill. I need the bill. They're waiting for that and they run. Say, yes, what, what is it you want? Do you want anything else? Waiting, watching. And they're willing as a maid in a big house is standing ready to come and go. At the bidding of the master, available, available, just standing around in the presence of the king, watching, waiting and willing. I love that picture of prayer. Because you see, at a basic level, prayer is not about the words that we use, but about the place in which we stand before him. And it's not so much about, have you done your prayers today? (laughs) It's about being the prayer. Being in the place of prayer. It's offering ourselves up. It's about being with him. It's about making ourselves available, giving him our time, space in our thoughts, redeeming our alone time wherever and whenever that might be. I mean, this is something that concerns me. That so many of us are afraid just to be quiet. <laughs> you know, we, we find it very hard to sit still and be quiet. We have to have noise around us. It's the radio playing, the music on, the TV in the background. We're afraid to be alone. 
are just to be still. And just to let the Holy Spirit brood over you. Let him come to you. (laughs) Let him take you into the presence of the king. To just sit with him and wait. Jesus says, it's the pagans. You know, those people that don't have any relationship with God. Who think that they will be heard because of their many words. But this, he says, should not be so with you. Let me just ask you, can you sit with the Lord in silence? Can you just sit and be still and wait? I mean, I don't want you to go now to the monastery. I don't want you to think about the monastery. I don't want you to think about some quiet place of retreat. I mean, it can be in those places. But because prayer is an attitude of heart, you can do this waste of time. Keep the radio off. Don't listen to Radio 4. It's a waste of time. Just switch it off for a moment and just sit in silence. Say, okay, Holy Spirit, will you just come and sit with me as I drive? Oh, going a bit fast there. Okay. You missed a left. Oh, sorry, Lord. (laughs) Have a conversation with him. Just be with him. Just sit with him. Just let him minister to you as you drive your car. Or drinking a cup of tea. Turn the TV off. You don't have to have it on all the time. It's not your lifeline. He is. Just sit and drink a cup of tea with him. Or if you sit in the office, don't be distracted by the internet at lunchtime. Just sit in silence. It doesn't have to be for long. Five minutes, ten minutes. I tell you, when you, when you get into his stillness and his silence, you'll find that eternity just happens and you don't notice the time passing. Just sit with him or walking down the road. Just invite him to walk with you, waiting on him. In a moment, you see, we can turn our hearts and our minds to heaven. We just turn our attention to him. And then Paul says, the spirit prays with groanings that cannot be uttered. Our hearts begin to reach into the heart of God, because that's what happens when you still yourself. Your heart goes into the presence and the heart of God. And at that point, words may be few, but the sounds of intercession begin to leak out. The groanings, the ache, a lifting up to God, holding a situation before him. Lord, my kids, Lord, that situation in the church, Lord, that illness, just lift it before him. Don't say a lot. Just wait for him. Bring it to him and just wait for him. Don't just do prayer. Be prayer. Sit with him. Be tied up for this like that boat. Ready. Make yourself ready. That's what devoted prayer looks like. Waiting in the courts of the king. Because devoted prayer is about more than words. How do you like the sound of that? Do you want to just do a bit of it right now? Just go in your heart. Just go and sit with him. His presence is so here. That stillness. Just enter into that stillness just for a moment.
Let me ask you a question. Don't think about the answer. Just say it. What was the first word that came into your mouth, into your mind, into your consciousness as you sat there in the presence of God? Anybody? Think about it again. Just go there again. What was the first word that came into your mind? Anybody? Be still, Be still Jesus. Anything else? Love. Love? Father. That's where my heart went. Straight to Father. Takes you straight into his presence. So quickly. So that's the first principle. Learn how to just wait on him. Be a waiter in the courts of the king. Secondly, second principle, this is how you build the boat. Know who you are. Because knowing who we are affects how we pray. If you know who you are, it has more effect on your prayer life than anything else. Now, Apostle John, he gives us this key to prayer in our approach to God. And he says that we've got to come with confidence. So in John 5, 14 to 15, he says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Have you got that kind of confidence? And we know that he hears us. Oh, he is really confident. Whatever we ask, even more confident, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, how confident is that? Just go up the levels of confidence. And... I don't think you can have that kind of confidence unless you know who you are, unless you're secure in who you are, because knowing who you are affects how we pray more than anything else. So do you know who you are in the presence of God? Do you know who you are? When you come into that place where you still yourself, do you know who you are? Because, you see, if you don't know the acceptance that you have with the Father as a son, you'll find it hard to approach (laughs) You'll find actually what happens is that you'll grovel and you'll crawl and you'll find it hard to lift your head and speak the words that you need to speak. If you don't know where you are seated in Christ, you won't know the authority that is yours to exercise. So you'll come to him like a victim, uncertain and reluctant, and you certainly won't come in faith. If you don't know the love that the Father has for you, and that assurance, that overwhelming assurance that he is good... In fact, he is a very, very good father. If you don't come in that place of assurance... You won't come with confidence because you'll fear him and doubt his desire to hear or to answer you. If you don't know your position in Christ, you'll find it very hard to pray. Instead, you'll plead with him. You'll pray up to a distant God. You'll find prayer a chore, a hopeless situation, a religious exercise that just seems to accentuate your distance from him. Anybody? That's what it feels like if you don't come on the basis of I know who I am. I know who I am in God. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you're seated and with whom? If so, do you know if you know that you are seated in Christ as a child of God at the right hand of his majesty in Christ from that place you just lean over in Christ to the Father and tell him what you need. You don't have to pray up to him. You're already there. 
You're with Him, united with Him in Christ. You you pray from a completely different position. You are seated in Christ. You're His Son. (laughs) So easy to approach Him from that place. And prayer, if you're if you're speaking to Him from that place, it'll become it'll be a delight. Why? Because prayer is a celebration of intimacy. And you see, you'll find that your words, instead of trying to think of what is it am I going to pray, what am I going to say to him, it'll flow out because there's no fear. Because you're in him, you're with him, you know his love for you, you know acceptance. You'll be more like an excited child who wants to tell you about their day. Just go and sit with your father and tell him, I've had a great day today. That's what it's like to pray from a position of being in Christ and knowing your identity. But you see, devotion can only come out of a place of love, not legalism. If you're legalistic about prayer, if it's the rules that you follow, you won't be able to have that kind of intimacy. You've got to come from a place of relationship and who you are and where you are seated in Christ. So do you know who you are to him? And do you know who he is to you? He's a loving father who delights to give good gifts to his children. Now, wouldn't that change your whole perspective on prayer if you were to let that get into your thinking? So learn to wait on him. Learn to linger with him and know you are in that place where you are welcomed where you are at home with him because he's the father. These things will make an incredible difference to your prayers because you'll speak from a place of identity and security in Christ. And here's the third principle. Believe that your prayers are powerful and effective. How about that? Is that audacious enough? Why? Because he says they are. Believe that your prayers are powerful and effective because he says they are. I mean, what you believe about the effectiveness of your prayer makes all the difference as to whether you will pray or not. You know, if you were assured of the power and effectiveness of your prayers, how much more likely would you be to pray? If that's the basis upon which you came. I mean, if you knew without a shadow of a doubt that not only your prayers were heard, but they were also answered, how much more excited would you be about prayer? I mean, what kind of things might be available to you if you came to God like that? In that kind of audacious confidence. Now, I know this is a big subject and already questions are going through your mind and I'm not going to answer them all. And what, what I want to do is said, I want to lob some grenades into your thinking. And I want you to take them home and wait before God and bring them to him. So here we go. Here's the first one. How about this? This radical promise from Jesus in Matthew 18, 19. He says, truly, that's absolutely assuredly, I'm promising you, he says, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven For where two or three gather in my name, I'm there with you. How about that one? Have you worked that one out yet? How are you getting on with exploring that promise? 
Have you plumbed the depths of it yet? Have you exploited the power of agreement and the availability of his presence, which he guarantees when you do this? Where two or three of you come together in agreement, I'm going to be there with you because I love agreement. He loves agreement between people. He's there instantly. Husbands and wives. Do you know how powerful it is when you two come into a place of agreement and you pray about something and you invite Jesus into that situation? Work colleagues, how about that one? Christians in the workplace meeting together and praying for their company and asking God's kingdom to break out. Do you know how powerful agreement is and you invite Jesus into your situation, into your business life? Church prayer meetings. Why do we have them? Because of this. Jesus says, wait, two or three gather in my name. There I am. I'm going to be there at the prayer meeting, he said, and I won't be late, and I'll probably linger afterwards as well. Because where you're in agreement, you're praying about something, you connect with the Father, and I am the Father of one, and we connect each other because I'm the only intercessor. So when you pray, the intercessor gets excited and he joins with you. You know, I know that some people have taken these verses and made them to mean that if I pray, this is a magic formula and God has to do what I say. And it's led to all kinds of strange thinking. Although James quite clearly explains the proper motivation that we should have. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You're asking for this because you want to spend it on stuff that gets you pleasure. That's not a good motivation for prayer, he says, which kind of makes clear the error of the prosperity teaching. But the error doesn't undermine the promise that when we agree with one another and with Jesus invited into the situation, then it will be done for us. And I think that's the point we need to work on, waiting for him to be in the context of our prayers. Agreeing with Jesus concerning what's in our hearts. But we have the mind of Christ. Anyway, I'm going to go off on a tangent if I'm not careful. Okay, so that's one. Just, just explore that one for a bit. Agreement, the power of agreement, joining together. Come to the prayer meeting and do that with us. I'm convinced we, we started this season of prayer and we were going to just do it for a month. We've kept it going because we are convinced that what we're seeing here on a Sunday now, that the moving of the Spirit amongst us is because we're praying. It is. We're agreeing on, Lord, we want to move of the Spirit. We want to see you break out in power. We want to see more healings. We want to see lives change. We're agreeing on that. And he loves that. He agrees with us. So he's going to do it. Amen? So what about this one then? James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And then James goes on with the example of Elijah, who was a man just like us. Did you know? That's what James thought. He, Elijah and me, we're the same thing, you know? We're mates. Yeah, he did all that stuff, but and so can we. He says, a man just like us, he says, who prayed earnestly, devotedly, that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't for three and a half years. Okay, we're just like that. Anybody? 
The prayer of a right. Come on. Get excited for once. We're just like that. You, what about South Africa at the moment? Cape Town. I want to go there and I want to start the rain. Anyway, that's trouble, isn't it? But I just feel something about it. I think God wants to do something. Signs and wonders in the sky. Have you noticed how many things are in the sky these years? The, the, the unusual uh, eclipses and star constellations. and There's something happening in nature. We need to get involved with that. Just like him. So when did you last try that? Praying for the rain. Don't do it in England. It's too easy. <laughs> Pray that it would stop. That would be good. And a man just like us, why? Because we too are righteous. Going back to the identity thing again I mentioned earlier, we are righteous. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that in Christ we have become the righteousness of God. Now that's something in our identity that we need to know about because the prayers of a righteous man or woman in Christ are powerful and effective. Do you believe it? Is that where you're coming from when you pray? We have become the righteousness of God. And all these things combine to assure us that our prayers are powerful and effective. But then we don't always get what we pray for, do we? And so what happens is that we focus on the apparent failure of our prayers. We get disillusioned, we get grumpy, and we say, well, I'm not going to go. What is the point? We give up on prayer. But this is what I'm realizing The fact that we don't get what we ask for doesn't mean that our prayers are ineffective or that they're not powerful because the Bible tells us that they are. So which do I want to choose to believe? And how many times have we found out that when our certain prayers have not been answered, actually when time goes on, we think, I'm so glad that prayer wasn't answered. I mean, Billy Graham once famously pointed out that if all his prayers had been answered, he had been married to at least three women by now, (laughs) which would have been awkward. (laughs) And this is why we need to learn to differentiate between results that we expect and the answers we actually get. And we need to learn with a degree of mystery, to learn to live with a degree of mystery. You know, I don't know why some people aren't healed, when in my mind they should have been. I think God made a mistake on that one. Ever, you, do you ever think that? You know, I prayed several times so fervently for Sonny last year, a man who died of cancer in our church. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I don't know why he died. All I do know is that we've got to preach the gospel to more than 400 Sikh people who'd never have heard it before and two became Christians on the day. But I still don't know really why he didn't get healed. I'm not saying that's an answer, but God works all things together for our good. And some people have heard the gospel now because of Sonny. I don't know why he didn't get healed. I don't know why Simon's dad didn't get healed, who died recently. It's heartbreaking for me. I really put myself out there, and some of us did. We went and prayed for him. And we even saw some improvement. His speech improved as we prayed for him. And yet he died. I was at his funeral a couple of weeks ago, and Simon and Steve and I were just talking about it after saying, oh my goodness, that guy was so amazing. It's like he outran at all of us and got to the end of the race before us because he'd done so much. What a guy. Just like he, heaven couldn't wait to have him, but I'm not so happy about that. 
we wanted to see him healed. But I don't understand it. I don't understand. But at the same time, I can also list hundreds of prayers in my life that I've barely prayed and they've been answered. <laughs> I've barely even prayed. I've just thought a thought and he's done it. You know, or, or unexpected breakthroughs. I was expecting a big battle on this one. There's no battle. What's going on? Oh, I prayed. <laughs> or there's miraculous provision. That's far more extravagant than I even believed for. Because he says that what's in his, I've got more in heaven than you've got in your heart and in your imagination or your understanding. Have there been blessings over my family that I can't explain? Amazing provisions and life-changing things. And I know, you see, I know that my prayers, our prayers are powerful and effective. I can list so many times But I also know at the same time that my understanding of prayer is so limited and restricted. We've only touched the surface and you think you know about prayer. Because I didn't get one or two things answered. That's it. You hardly started. We've hardly started. Our understanding is so limited. Our perspective isn't big enough. Our experience isn't great enough. Our knowledge and even the way that we understand how time overlaps with eternity. I don't get that. How does that make sense? Why is the fact that he's gone to be with the Lord now more important than the fact that I thought he should have been healed? I don't know. Don't understand it. And added to this, as we've been looking at a bit in this series, that we know that we're not entitled to everything that we asked for. And that God doesn't owe us anything because he has already given us everything. So we need to choose to live with a sense of awe and mystery when it comes to prayer. But also to believe that our prayers are powerful and effective because he tells us they are. The word of God tells us they are, so not to give up on prayer. You've been given up on prayer. Would you just repent and start praying again? Just get it sorted. You've hard, we've hardly started. We've hardly begun to touch on what it means to pray. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it in, is in heaven. I don't even understand the extent of his kingdom. How can we begin to understand prayer? So devoted to prayer means that we wait on him. We approach him with confidence because of our identity in Christ. And we continue in prayer in assurance that our prayers are powerful and effective. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'd, and I'd intended, I'd had this great plan of this preach. It's going to be really practical. have lots of tips on prayer and all kinds of ideas on how to. Um, but it seems like God has some other plans. And I feel like uh, in sharing these three principles, he simply wants to inspire and encourage you to go on a journey of exploration, experiment and adventure in prayer. Learn to linger around heaven's courts, to wait on him, and how to respond quickly to his finger as he beckons you, as the king sits on his throne. I challenge you to learn how to pray, not with him, not up to him, but with him. Learn to pray with him, in fellowship with him. You're seated in Christ, so speak from that place of confidence and assurance. And maybe some of us need to just start again with prayer. Let's just reset and start again with prayer 
put down some old ways of thinking, deal with some disillusionment and never give up praying. Never give up on your family, your relatives, the ones who haven't been saved yet. Never give up. Keep praying until he says otherwise. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Choose to believe what he says about your prayers. Do you know, um, this thing about healing, uh, it's so great to have Helen's testimony. Many of us have prayed for Helen over many years about her ears, and now she's got healed. But we kind of think, well, I prayed once and it didn't happen, so I might as well give up. But what I've been learning about in healing is I prayed for somebody last Sunday, and she said, oh, loads of people have prayed for me and I haven't got healed. And you kind of think, oh, I'm just another one. Why would I bother? And I've just had this attitude of, great, so I'm coming in the back, on the back of all the prayers that have been prayed. So how I start my prayer is, Lord, remember all of those people that have prayed all of these things. Remember, Lord, over all the years, I'm collecting all those prayers up. I'm bringing them in that golden bowl, and I'm adding my prayers on top of them. And I'm saying, in Jesus' name, heal this lady. Heal her now, in Jesus' name. And she was healed. The pain went, the back, the back problem left her and want to follow up on it and find out a bit more about it but she's been ill for 20 years in constant pain we collected up all the prayers do you know that all the prayers are kept in heaven in a golden bowl I wonder how many prayers are there for you I wonder if God could just Pull back the curtain and you see all the prayers that have been prayed for you over the generations by grandparents and parents and friends. I wonder how many are there. Would you like to see? Well, if you sit in heavenly places, you might see some of them. Pray. Pray more. Pray as if your life depends upon it. Because it does. The eternal destiny of some of your friends and family, the future of the world, depends on the prayers of the saints. Anoint us, Holy Spirit, with a burden of prayer. Would you anoint us? Would you give us fresh revelation? Would you take us into heaven's courts? And will you teach us how to see the hand of the Father? The beckoning finger that sends us and directs us, so that when we pray we agree with heaven and what's done in heaven is done on earth. Teach us about that, Holy Spirit. So does all this float your boat? (laughs) I was waiting to use that one. I thought that was a really good one. Does it float your boat? Are you floating a bit now? I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He wants us to float. To be available, to be ready. To be devoted, to wait on him. I believe he's going to direct some of us. He's going to get into some of your boats. He's going to need your boat this week. Yeah? He is. He's going to need your boat because he wants to see some stuff happen over there. He's going to get in your boat. He's going to stand there. He's going to teach the people from your boat because you've prayed, because you've committed, because you've made yourself available to him. (laughs) Amen?